0: So many years ago, like in recent history, we were having conversations about millennials and worship, but for us that are doing ministry with young people, it's a whole new generation. the new Gen Z, and we can feel the difference. Um, it puts a fire under me, honestly, to be like, God was sick and committed to making sure we're connecting with these people and giving them an avenue to worship.
1: Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the Greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno nominated singer, songwriter, and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at FaithStrongToday.com/slash Between the Grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew.
2: And we're back. Like every time. Every time. Every time what?
1: And you always start with and we're back.
2: Do I? Yeah. Well, I always like that whole, you know, on TV when you go to a commercial break. And we're back.
1: There's we're not there's not a commercial break here. We're just doing a podcast. So Okay. When we're back. Welcome to Between the Grooves, your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists, Nice. You like that? Nice. That was great. (laughs) That was a little sarcasm when I said
2: great. Yeah. Nice. This week's episode features a great conversation with Dan Rivera from SEU Worship. Uh, We're going to be chatting with him about something that's a little bit unique. Um, I haven't seen it done before the way... He's been doing it. Right. And so we'll, we'll get into that in just a bit. Just, you know, kind of dangling a little carrot in there for in front of you oh, because, gosh. uh, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see the birth of SEU worship. Uh, we're currently playing his single on the radio right now, Fire in My Bones, which is a great it, track. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we're going to get into that conversation with him in just a bit. But before we get into that, we need to check in with the Community Cork Board. Community Cork Board. Community Corkboard. That's community it. That's all you got. Community Cork board. That's all you got. Yeah. That was just anti-climatical. This is is my life. And we're back with Community (laughs) Court Board. (laughs) Hey, listen, we got a note from uh, our friend Jordan St. Cyr. Oh, I love that man. And uh, he has announced the Backyard Bonfires Tour. Yes. It's nice to see people getting back into the business and doing tours and concerts and and whatnot. And uh, so what he's doing is he's uh, basically quote-unquote, accepting offers right now uh, from now, uh, I guess, September through till November, uh, doing uh, whether it's a, a backyard concert or a house concert, that sort of thing. And uh, it's about 75 to 90 minutes worth of stories and songs, um, obviously because of COVID uh, suggesting or, or making sure that masks are uh, are being worn by guests, um, but he's suggesting an outdoor uh, area uh, with a designated stage and, uh, you know, there's some some specifics in there making sure that there's electricity. It'd be nice to be out in the middle of nowhere and try to do a concert and it would be more of an acoustic concert mm-hmm. if, if uh, you know, I, guess, I suppose he could do that as yeah, well, right? Can. Yeah, totally. Can. But uh, yeah, it's it's great that he's uh, getting out there and telling people about it, that he wants to do it. He's going to be traveling perhaps across Canada. I love that. Something like that. Yeah. So, so good. So, uh, Jordan St. Cyr, check out his website for details and if you're interested in having him come in, well, there you go. There we go. It'd be great for youth groups and stuff too. Oh, totally. I know man. the fall time. A lot of youth groups like to do their retreats away, mm-hmm. and I think they won't be doing as many yeah, of those right yeah, now. But you yeah. could certainly bring in Jordan for you know a, a Friday night youth night and do the kind of campfire thing, um, maybe on the church property or elsewhere, um, or in you know somebody's backyard. That's right. right. That's
1: right. I mean, why not? House Conscious is kind of the way to go right now. And the weather is perfect. Everybody's kind of doing the backyard thing. Everybody's doing the bonfire thing. Everybody's What Jordan's doing is something that a lot of artists could be doing right now. Um, and it's cool because you don't have to worry about like wearing out your your your, your draw or anything. Because you're playing for like 20 30 people tops. And there's tons of resources online. Literally, if you Google house concerts, there's tons of resources in terms of how you can put something together, a nice little package for yourself together. Um, Because every artist is different. You might be looking for something unique. Maybe you want to fine-tune it so it suits your mood or your brand. Um, But I think house concerts, house shows... If you want to do it next few months, this is the time. It's prime time for this. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, and,
2: I, and I think the general public
1: yeah. are ready for something
2: but like this are, as well. They are. More so than it. before. That's right. I don't think house concerts were big two years ago. Right. People were doing them, yeah. but I don't think they were big. And That's I think right. now people are at, at the point where they're they're just hungry for some, some live interaction. That's right. Versus just watching stuff online. That's right. I spent the weekend just watching movies online. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but, which is great if you would just want to relax and chill and just kind of be in that vegetative state, but it's nice to have that interaction and be with people too. Yeah. Right. And so that's what uh, this allows for, for you to do. Completely. Yeah.
1: Not too long ago, there was a worldwide movement. um, And I was a part of it here in the Toronto area um, called Porch Fest. And essentially it was like, if you're a musician or a band, grab a porch and play and it was like, let's spend the whole entire day, not the whole day, but let's have as many plays as we possibly can on porches across the world with sharing music. And so I was a part of, sort of organizing some people in the Oakville and Burlington and Toronto area. And it was amazing the crowds that would come out. And when I say crowds, I mean... Not like they're like, you know, breaking all the COVID rules. No, everyone's great. Everybody's on their lawn or on their space or taking up space on the road. Yeah. Slightly illegal, but that's fine. Um, But it was incredible seeing in every single gig, every single show, the crowds of people who come out and who would sit there and watch all day, like for hours at a time. I'm like, you guys could be doing other things. It's live music. Yeah, we haven't seen live music since like March break, right? Like, or or even last year. You know what I mean? Even the people, online stuff. The, it's, it's how totally much of that has been live? Right. It, it, this is the thing. It's it's a totally different dynamic. And so, having something like this, um, whether it's like you know a porch fest type thing, or whether it's a backyard bonfire house concert thing, like you said, people are hungry for it. And their schedules are even now ready, for, more ready for it, because now it's not summertime. Now it's back to a routine, so their weekends now are like prime time yeah. for house concerts.
2: It's people are are back to a routine, but it's not the same routine they had six months ago. Right, right, that's right. Like a lot of people, more so now than ever before, people are working from home. Yeah, which means they have more time. That's right, because they're if they, if they used to commute a half hour into work, they've exactly. now gained themselves an hour an hour a day. That's right, which is. Five hours a week they have yeah. now gained, which yeah. is huge. Massive. And and they also have, and I can't speak for myself here because I've been going into work every day still and doing my radio show and, and other responsibilities at the radio station, but for the people that have had the ability to work from home and keep their jobs, right. uh, their expenses are less. They don't have to pay for gas anymore to go to and from work, uh, so they've, they've hopefully saved. I actually heard a report over the weekend that said, a lot of people have saved money. The people that were able to hold on to their jobs have saved a you know a good amount of money, paying down some debt or allocating money towards a future, you know, maybe it was house re- renovations they right. were doing and a lot of people did that yeah, yep. or putting money aside for the vacation they were going to do yep. and they're going to set it aside for next year, that sort of thing. So there is opportunities and people will you know, offer you money for these concerts. I guess there is what is. I'm saying. Yeah, right. That's right. So that is awesome.
1: Do it, artists. Do it and do it now. Do it and quickly.
2: congratulations for, to uh, Jordan Saint Cyr for kind of stepping up and and letting everybody know what he's up to. Um, and hopefully that spurs other people doing the same thing. It'll be a little competition going on, but there's nothing wrong with That's that. That's
1: okay. And you know what? If you do do it, if you're on it, make sure you let us know let us know what you're up to. Don't forget, you can hit us up on social media or email us at between the grooves at com, and we can help you spread the word on Community corkboard. I brought it back! <laughs> I brought it back, baby! But that's, but that's what Community corkboards all about. That's exactly right. right. Whether that's you've exactly got right.
2: music coming out, you've got concerts coming up in a certain area, or you just want to spread the word about whatever's happening in your career, we'd love to be able to share that with others as well. That's right. Well, it is time to get into our conversation with none other than Dan Rivera from SEU Worship and the thing I find interesting about the birth of SEU Worship is that they're doing something in my opinion that has never been done before. Now, that's that's something pretty big for me to say, but I need to qualify it as well. And so SEU Worship basically is Southeastern University um and as I mentioned earlier, we're playing their song Fire in My Bones on the mm-hmm. radio. Uh, great song, mm-hmm. so check that out if you haven't had an opportunity to do that. Um what they're doing, and we'll get into this with the conversation with Dan, uh they are they are basically a music collective, a bunch of people getting together. But it's not just students, it's alumni, it's instructors, it's staff, all coming together. To do the music thing. Right. And that's what makes it unique. I love that so much. So let's get into this conversation. Dude. With Dan Rivera from SEU Worship on Between the Grooves. know, have ideas back and forth and have some fun. And uh, we don't really get each other upset a whole lot. No. No? No. We Do we disagree? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Which is a good thing. Yes. You know? That's
0: so, good. We, we need... Disagreement's good, I think, for this kind of uh, discussion. Yeah, well, I totally agree. It's
2: it's good conversations is what it is. I mean, if everybody agreed, you wouldn't have to talk with anybody because everybody's on the same page. Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about Dan. <laughs> um, Dan... Uh,
0: <laughs> this is a funny. Glitch. Makes me feel like I need to talk about myself in the third person. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Well,
2: Dan is a <laughs> Dan's a great yeah, guy. Dan. And Dan's been around for a while now, and that's okay. exactly. <laughs> you know, Dan Dan's an enigma.
0: We that's don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> know. I, wait, aren't you? Well, in you that in? case,
2: in that case, you uh, you know that's the same for all of us. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, we're all
1: an enigma. Uh, that's <laughs> true.
2: I um,
0: um yeah I'm uh, I live in Lakeland, Florida um I'm, I'm a worship pastor at Southeastern University and uh, my connection to Southeastern is um when I was well my, my connection to Southeastern I guess goes back further my my grandpa when it was just a Bible college my grandpa graduated here as a student and then went on to be a full-time minister pastor in plant churches and then um you know, sometime later, I decided to go to college at Southeastern and went there to study secondary education. and ended up feeling a call of God to do ministry, and kind of you know take the pastoral route. and In the process, um, you know, always loved music, kept making music, and felt like God kept opening doors for me at Southeastern to do music. and um, I was at Southeastern during a kind of critical time where we got a new president. And, um, watched the university really transform? And one of the things that was happening was the worship department was getting transformed and they asked me to kind of contribute to write songs as a student. Hmm. So I started writing songs for these albums and projects. And, um, ultimately as a student, so this is like in 2013 as a student felt like, um, you know, my, my time there as I was leaving, I felt really proud to have contributed to these albums and I went on to lead worship in, um, in Washington, D.C. as a worship pastor for a few years. And I'd met my wife at Southeastern, and now we're living together in D.C. And got a call around 2016 to come back and um, kind of pick up where I left off at Southeastern to do uh, worship ministry and and keep on the work that we had started some time ago with um, SCU Worship. And that's the short version of the story. And now we're working on records and um doing our thing. And we just had an album that came out this summer called A Thousand Generations. And um yeah, it's sort of a weird world, but we're basically the band and made up of students, alumni, um faculty and staff, um mostly students on campus, and we lead worship for our chapel services at the university.
2: So, are you also a professor at the university, or are you spending all your time on, you know, being the worship leader?
0: Uh, no, I, I do teach a few courses. Okay. Um, right now, it's kind of limited to just one course per semester, um, as the worship leading gets more and more, you know, kind of time time demanding. Um, and I mean that in a, in a good way. But. Yeah.
2: So, is there? I mean, uh, this is the first I've heard of. A university worship team uh, writing and producing music. Now, now let me qualify that. Sorry,
1: sorry I'm giving him the stink face. Like yeah. That,
2: what? No, no, but but let me qualify that. <laughs> I'll I'll qualify that by saying uh, a university where the alumni, ah, faculty, yes. students, like a whole group of people are doing this together. That's yeah. the first time I've heard something like that. Is yeah. that is that kind of unique? Like, is that your niche right now?
0: Uh, it seems a little bit like we've pioneered that model. yeah. Um, cause it, we just basically decided to treat it like a ministry, right. Um, where it's like, Hey, like a church ministry where it's like, Hey, it, you're involved, you know, as much as you're willing to volunteer and be a part, even as you leave this place. So if, if you graduate and you go on and become a worship pastor or leader in other places, if you want to contribute as a songwriter and help coach and mentor the next generation, as, as students, you know, come be a part and be involved. And then, of course, we've got a staff of worship pastors that are all alumni that kind of make up our core artists and songwriters, too, um, to do it that way. But I think the other uh, niche thing is that we have, um, you know, we did our first record in 2013, I think it was, um, just all original songs written by students and staff. Uh, live album and that felt like a pioneering spirit even back then where a lot of people were putting out worship albums a lot of people were doing project albums but not everyone was doing a worship album Mm -hmm. that was live and that had songs written by the students so that has been a big part of i feel like um our uniqueness in the story
2: and is the goal i guess with this um group because the, the actual name of the group, when it's played on the radio and whatnot, is uh, SEU Worship. SEU, of course, stands for Southeastern University. Um, is, is the goal to come out with a new album every year?
0: Yeah, we, um, we do one live record a year, and then we, we try and do auxiliary projects. So, um, you know, we've got another, we did an EP in the fall. And basically every other year we snuck an EP in, but now it's turned into a roster where every year we'll do an album and then like an aux project too. So whether that's an EP or we got something really uh, special planned for the fall, that'll um, kind of come out in the fall, early 2021. And um, that will be more studio.
1: And is this, forgive this ridiculous question, but um, there's a lot of schools who do this and this is actually like their class project. So at the end of the year, the idea is to have like an album. Is that true for you guys or is it strictly like this is a ministry thing and not like a class thing?
0: No, it's like, it's a ministry thing. It's a part of, um, it's basically extracurricular activity. We're basically a, a overly sized club.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. That became, um, you know, that like eventually we decided to put a whole pastoral staff and resource behind as it began to really grow and develop.
1: That's amazing. Okay, so I'm trying to get into because this is really cool and exciting, but I can imagine the conversations as a, so. You're you're at um, national community right in Washington. I
0: was, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's um. I remember, um, I have family in Washington, so I would attend there every once in a while, and the building was just this glorious thing. <laughs> and um, that's uh, uh, sh- a Batter- uh, Mark Patterson's, tr- at least when I was, yeah, Mark Batterson, right? He was, yes. the- yeah, okay. yeah. I'm like, did I get the yeah. name wrong? Oh no, <laughs> fact check. Yeah, um, so I remember being there, and it was. Great experience. He's a great teacher. Everything was cool. So I can only imagine being there in a really great environment, um, really great people. And then you get a call to kind of do this, which is really cool to kind of have this role where you're kind of really focusing on mentoring, um, you know, young people uh, and you're creating all the time. But was there a tension for you in that or was it kind of like a, Oh, I'm jumping on this right now. Um, cause you're leaving one gray space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and returning back to something that's also cool. So, how was that kind of as you and your family kind of working on this? How, how did that work out for you?
0: Oh yeah, uh, that's a great question. And you know, Pastor Mark, um, he really he, he basically asked someone straight out of college to come contribute and be one of the worship pastors for their church, which I he, t- he basically took a risk on me. So I always felt like um, I don't know. We just have a great relationship and I love them to death. And we go every summer, well, not this one, but we go every summer to Nashville community church and you know, spend a few days out there and we're still really connected with the community. Um, you know, there's always little opportunities where people kind of put out feelers and they're like, Hey, we know you're leaving here. Would you be interested in doing this thing? It's like, no, honestly, our answer was always, we feel really called to, Hmm. DC. And every now and then my wife and I would have a dinner conversation that would go something like, I really hope the opportunity to go back to Southeastern never comes up because, <laughs> because that would be one of those things that would just kind of stop us in our tracks and yeah. make it feel like, what is God doing? That's weird. Why Why is it happening? And then um, that call happened. And you know, that was the place I found my sense of calling. And yeah, it's a place I met my wife. It's just a really special place for us. And, um, we, we sought counsel about it. We prayed about it and ultimately just felt like a green light to give it a go. And, um, yeah, so now we're here and, uh, it, it's funny because Lakeland is sort of a funny city yeah, in Florida yeah. where it's kind of, it's pretty cool, but no one really knows about it. Yeah. I exactly. kind of make this joke though, that once you get to Lakeland, it's like the Island on loss. Yes. Like, you, you can't get out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man.
2: But you you said you met your wife there, so it's it, it was like bridal college <laughs> for for some. Yeah, for some it has that reputation. Well, for um, for many Bible colleges, that's the reputation, right? <laughs> so the fact you were able to go back is like deja vu. It's like oh, this you know we used to hang out here all the time. This you know, hey, that's where we went on our first date. That sort of thing, right?
0: Yes. So to make it even uh, funnier. My wife now works at Southeastern, so she started working there like a year or two ago. And so there, there have been moments where we go for lunch at the cafeteria together, and it's like, wait, have we? Did we ever grow up? Like, yeah. what's going on? Seriously, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. you guys still remember all the cool makeout spots and uh... no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't. Well, we can talk. I can I can give you more details about that off here. Yeah, right. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Keeping it cool. Keeping it cool. <laughs> I yeah. like that. This is the safe answer. <laughs> that's It's good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Lakeland. Uh, uh, I I used to travel to Florida quite often with my family and you know doing Disney or whatever. And Lakeland was always the place that I wanted to go. I think I've only been there once, but I've always like I want to go to Lakeland because. How, how, I mean, growing up, it seemed like there was like a thousand Christian radio stations, all based. I guess maybe it's only one, but <laughs> it was a powerful like voice of Christian radio, and all the cool bands seemed to go there every year. Mm-hmm. Lakeland was always on the list of like tour dates. So I mean, slightly off topic, but like, what? Why? <laughs> like what? Like. Um. Yeah. I, mean, I mean when I was there it was a pretty cool town Like, you know a great spot but I didn't understand like why Lakeland what was the draw apart from Christian Radio what was the draw for do you know do you have any any ideas I mean
0: about? these are all you know speculative but I'll say there's always been an interesting revival culture in Lakeland so of it's course. been a number of places where these revivals have broken out
1: that's right I forgot and, yes um,
0: and so I think that really contributes to the faith legacy here and then also, there's just a sense of artistry in this this uh, city. There's yeah. this band called Copeland, who yeah. is you know they're not they're not a Christian group, but they come out of Lakeland and their studios here, and we've collaborated with some of those guys before because uh, they're just kind of local heroes <laughs> and then um I'm not sure if it's the largest, but it's pretty close to the to the largest collection of Frank Lloyd Wright architecture is in Lakeland because he designed uh, a college that's on this beautiful lake down here. and I don't know. you know it's an old uh, old phosphor mining town from that's so been around since the mid 19th century. It's got the old railroad tracks come through it so it's one of the older cities in Florida. It's just a weird little spot.
1: hmm that's cool. Yeah, I forgot about uh, the revivals. yeah, that was huge. Yeah Copeland like yeah, one of my favorite bands I love them so much. That's so cool. Um, okay. So now you guys are there. You're present there. You're doing your thing. You're enjoying life there. Um, how is it sort of leading and mentoring, uh, the, uh, these students? Because uh, I, I would assume that a lot of these students are just like insanely talented, lots of ideas, wanting to do new and fresh things. And, you know, and you're not, you know, you're not old you know you, you're still young yourself um, but there's a sense i'm sure of maybe there's a sense of kind of like you kind of need to wrangle them through like making creative choices and using creative yeah, how options. do you how do you stay organized <laughs> well, no, i mean i mean just even musically like <laughs> yeah. because i mean like they're they're probably like on the edge of what's cool but also uh. also we're trying to make worship music that it can be accessible to many and yep. and you're young enough to remember what it was like to be on that cutting edge, but now you're like, okay, but I also need to make sure that we stay on task here with in terms of making the right creative choices. You're in a weird, not a weird position, but definitely a different position than most um, uh, worship leaders or people who run these kinds of of, of projects. So do you find that? Yep. Do you find that tension? Are you kind of like, man, I'm only like a few years older than you, but you got chill, kid. Or, <laughs> or are you kind of like, man? We need to do this, but how's like? Do you, are you living in that tension? Is that even a tension point for you? Uh,
0: well, we, it's a, it is very much tension point. It's probably a little bit different than you described, and I'll okay. explain how. Okay. But um, the tension point of like, you know, my influences are a little bit different than their influences and their cultural references. Yeah. Um, is definitely there, and uh, at the end of the day, we all love pop music. Hmm. which keeps us all together and we just, and we all love, honestly, there's that, that revival spirit is true on Southeast Truth's campus. So that really helps too, that we all just kind of like, we might listen to different music and reference different stuff, but we're all contributed and we're all committed to the same spirit of God. And we're seeking the same spirit of God. Um, so it's cool though, because uh, at first it was shocking but it's become cool <laughs> okay <laughs> um i find that one of my roles because i'm 29 yeah. and you know most of the students are 18 or 22 yeah. between those ages and um dave who's one another one of our pastors and contributors core artists um he is 32 so he's even a little bit older than me
2: yeah.
0: and um we have this conversation all the time which is like uh, we remember we were working in the studio on a project and we were like oh you know what we should bring in a little bit of postal service to this, yeah. and it was
1: just crickets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Who? Who's that? who's that? What do you oh, mean? It's that guy yeah. from Death Cab for Cute Still tumbleweeds. More <laughs> <crickets>. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> who's that? That was exactly it. That was exactly it.
1: Oh man.
0: It was exactly it. So we were like, oh, so one of the wonderful things about my. <laughs> uh role right now is that I kind of get to be like a musical sage for
2: them. So, uh, like, yes. Like I'll like you, you like it's like a, like a here, have a listen. Is that that is that what you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a guy, there's a guitar player right now who does sound and, and uh some production stuff for us. He's a student in his senior year and we were doing some tour dates together and I would like play a song and sound check or something, look over at him and he'd like act like he knew what it was. And I'm like, he doesn't know what song this is.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I started like um I made him a playlist that was like, Cam, listen to these songs. And then it turned into a whole bunch of that went to all the instrumentalists, like, listen to these songs, you know. Yeah. And some of it's like just even classic, like Hill song or delirious songs on there, but then it's like a bunch of, you know, indie alt rock too, stuff like that that I just in my library uh reference and you know I'm like you guys should probably know this stuff if we're going to be writing and making music together um so that's one side of it but the other side of it is I basically don't get to get away with a dated idea ever so right, right. we um we were doing pre-production for our uh a record and basically I'm I'm up late with the drummer and we're trying to figure out this bass drum part. And there's this, there's already an issue with this scenario because I should not have a bass guitar in my hand, you know, like I barely play it. <laughs> but I was just like the last man standing. So we're trying to figure out this bass part and we do this cool thing. And, um, and we're so pumped on it and we get everybody in the room the next night and we're like, you guys need to hear this section of the song. Gotta hear it. So they're listening to it, you know, and there's like, you know, 20 students in this room now as we've all been writing in different parts and pockets and working on different struggles, all come together and listen to the work we did. And here's the song that, you know, Dan and Bryce did on the on the drums and bass, I listen to the uh the parts they added now. And it comes to this drum break part where I do this bass thing and he does the drum thing and it stops and then me and Bryce turn around and we look and we're like, You guys hear that? And everyone all the students start laughing. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because they thought it was so corny, they thought it was a joke. <laughs> oh no oh. And I literally, I start cracking up. I was like, oh my goodness gracious. This is so funny. Um, So I I don't know. I I think like we have a don't take ourselves too seriously culture and let's have a great time, which helps inform moments like that, where when stuff happens, we're just all laughing and then like kind of ragging on each other. And then I'm like, well, why don't we get in there together and you guys come up with something and let's see what happens. So it's all the curiosity plus, the, um, Hey, what are you guys actually listening to What do you think is actually cool? What actually inspires you that helps keep it feeling fresh yes. and new. And then, you know, to the point you made earlier about we're kind of writing stuff for everybody, you know, we, we do feel like we're writing worship music for anyone. To I, I do feel like the worship music we write is accessible to anyone. But when we sit down to write, we, we pretty clearly say, You know, this is music for 16 to 22 year olds. That's what we want to write worship music
1: for. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: And and that allows us to be like, well, okay, let's put a drop, you know, here in the song or start with uh, a funky drum machine thing here. Um, So that helps a lot.
1: That makes sense. Well, and and that's I the hope reason I get why too granular. There. No, 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 it was great. It was great, man. Thank you, thank but, you.
2: But that's the reason why you have you know it's it, although it's wor- worship music. There's a there's a pop sound to it that's uh, I'll say a modern pop sound to be even more specific um, that very often you wouldn't hear in a typical worship song, um, which is which is kind of cool. Now you guys all also describe yourself as prophetic pop. Can you describe or or tell us what that's all about?
0: Yeah. A prophetic pop is, it, I like to break it up into two parts, the two different works that it is. So like it comes back to that commitment to 16 to 22 year olds, right? Like we were doing pre-production for um, our self-titled record, which is really where we feel like we started to find our sound. And on that album, I dropped what was basically like a Drake beat on accident yes. into this piano song we were working on. Yes. Um, that was a beat. And me and uh Dave kind of looked at each other and I, I said, Well, why not? Let's just, you know, we're leading worship for sixteen to twenty two year olds. Why not just write that music? We love stuff. Like this inspires us. Um we love R and B pop and, and hip hop. So let's just bring that into how we worship. And it was like that was a kind of early genesis of it. But at the same time, you know our chapels and the way we worship always had this spontaneous creative just hungry for the spirit of god energy hmm. to it and um that's what prophetic pop is so prophetic in the bible means to um, foretell but it also means to foretell so foretell would be like you know we prophesy a b and c things going to happen and then it happens hmm. but then a tell is to speak into the future those things which are not, like to speak hope into the future or speak a better promise of the future there in the same way that Martin Luther King forth a future, hmm. you know, and his uh, "I have a dream speech. So we kind of feel like some of our commitment to whatever is new and um, creative, and where we feel like God's speaking to us also comes from that pr- prophetic edge. So our commitment to, um, you know, new sounds and, and new music, Comes from that edge, so it's a commitment to the spirit of God, but then also a commitment to just what's new, and then what we love about music, which tends to be pop.
2: It's cool, yeah. That's yeah. great, and and quite frankly, relevant to this day and age, anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so. so
0: yeah, bad. totally. So many years ago, like in recent history, we were having conversations about millennials and worship and, and leading worship with millennials, but. For us that are doing ministry with young people, it's a whole new generation. But, right. You know, Gen Z, sociologists call them, and I, you, we, can, we can feel the difference. Like, on the front line, it's like, wow, and I'm sure you guys can too because you know, Gen Z is starting to enter into the workforce, mm-hmm. and you, you just it's different. They're different than millennials, and we feel that even in our worshiping and our worship leadership and on the creative front, and then especially with students as we're just doing ministry with them. So we get the sense that, like, man, um, it puts a fire under me. Honestly, to be like, God was sick and committed to making sure we're connecting with these people and giving them, you know, an avenue to worship. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Now, how do you? How does that work for you? Uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're the guy that coordinates everybody, whether it be the faculty, the staff, existing students, alumni. How does all that work? So that it happens seamlessly um, with everybody's schedule. Like you've got you've got faculty that are, are busy doing their jobs and stuff. And I understand, you know, you've described this kind of like a club, a big, massive club. But they're all coming from different places. Right. You've got people that have jobs at the university. You've got alumni that are coming in just to you know come and visit. For the club, you've got students that have their courses and stuff. Like, is there? uh, Do you have to meet after hours because there's no time to meet during the day? Like, how does that all work? And then, and then with everybody's with everybody's input because everybody, if they're good, they've all got great ideas, right? Yeah,
0: Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know how we do it actually. (laughs) (laughs) It, It sort of feels like we, you know, by the grace of God, day by day, you figure out a way to do it and it gets more and more complicated the bigger it gets and the more, you know, with every new fresh intake of students is a whole group of people who are either going to choose to be like, Oh yeah, that's the thing that they started with with some students a couple of seasons ago and I don't relate to it or they're going to say, this is for me and here's my place to serve and contribute. And that really just comes down to how, you know, we choose to lead it. So there's always that sense of, um, Um, I I don't want to say the word pressure because that sounds negative, but there's that sense of like, we got to stay on it and make sure that we're contributing, having the the experience from staff and faculty there to contribute, but still keeping the purity of the student involvement because that's what started it in the first place. And, um, you know, without getting too into the details and trying to answer your question, basically, we know that, you know, so like my, my role is the worship pastor, and then I teach a course, you know, a semester. I actually teach a few courses, but I break it up into each semester I do one. And some of the other faculty will help in more of like an advising um, spot at this point, and the rest are mostly are, have transitioned to staff pastors, so to kind of overlook the ministry. Mm-hmm. And then, um, on the student side we in chapel, you know we only uh, staff only lead for the big things, and then it's mostly just students involved on campus um so we're we're really involved on the coaching side and stuff like that, and then we lead for the the touring stuff, mm-hmm. but if you were to come on campus, you know you'd see some students leading worship, and we just are really involved with the coaching and feedback and then the other thing we do to kind of make sure we're all staying in touch is we schedule two or three times a year, these um, moments to all get together and write. And that's usually where I cast vision for what I think the next record should look like and sound like, and then we all hear it. And that could be anywhere from 15 to 35 to 40 people coming together at one point Mm -hmm. to write. And that's the majority of that is always students. Um, so even on this record, you know, there's a, the most recent one we did in, in June. There's a handful of songs that are on that project that are our students. They, they just wrote it. You know, they wrote those songs. And That's awesome. I came in and maybe adjusted a few things, but it still very much has that dynamic to it.
2: I remember when I went, in, when I went to college many, many years ago, and the one thing that my... Um, the group of students with me and and me uh decided was we wanted to leave our mark we wanted to do something that would be forever remembered um you know that you know and and i look at what you're doing do you have that do you have these go-getters that you know the next round of students come in and they and they just kind of raise the bar and do stuff that you never you know have done before or uh, had ever had even thought about doing um wow because to me yeah. that that would be that would be exciting to see, right? It's it's you can do the same old, same old, and every year you come up with an album, and every, every year you you know do an EP or whatever, but or every other year or every other semester, whatever it is. But but to have guys now to just raise the bar and say, okay, we want to we want to do this, but we want to you know raise the bar even more.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I never thought of it this way until you said until what you said, but it's true working with college students, um, that one how to have a desire to go make an impact and change the world. Actually, like that's in everybody. And it's especially in everybody when they're, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, striking it out on their own. They want to make an impact. They want to do something, um, to impact the world and, and to impact, leave their mark on the kingdom of God, so to speak. And, um, what's probably more likely is people learn the opposite of that. They learn that like, Oh, maybe my voice doesn't matter that much, or maybe I can't actually contribute, or maybe I'm not that gifted. So I almost feel like it's my job just to continue to protect that first initial call with students and and making sure that, um, I'm resourcing them the best they can so that they can be themselves but then also stir their faith that they can go for it and that they can you know, learn how to do those things here in this climate and environment. And what's cool is now we send worship pastors and leaders all over too. So they kind of get that spirit. And I like to imagine that we're helping, um, you know, by the grace of God, helping frame them, helping equip them to do what they can. And then they get to go out and practice those things in uh, real time at different places like you know um not many people know that tiffany hammer who's from elevation church mm-hmm. elevation worship mm-hmm. um is an alumni of se worship and she was at a writing retreat and she was here involved with all that before she went off to elevation and i've gotten to know Wade a little bit and the crew there and i just get the sense you know that that's part of our legacy too is that we get to send off people to be a part of the church and we're not that's not just for southeastern's impact but as part of the global impact which is very much in line with our um mission and vision as a university mm.
2: from a from a very uh, materialistic standpoint i can say that any student that's been involved in the project and i guess most specifically the uh, a thousand generations project to be able to put that on your resume after, after college and, and go out looking for a job, you know, as a worship pastor or, or to a record label or whatever, to have that on your resume. I mean, it says a lot. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, we're in the risk taking business (laughs) when it comes to the students and I mean that in like a good way and that we want to take a risk on a student, give them a chance to do that because we believe in them and we want, we want it to say a lot. We want them to be able to walk into the things that God's calling him to do. And, um, the best we you know, this feels weird to say it this way, but to kind of give him a stamp of approval of like, Hey, this is some of SCU's best right here. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, it's funny because even hearing you say it that way, it's, it's when I think about it, I was like, yeah, but you know, when I, but on the first album, we were just a bunch of like punk kids putting music together with our worship pastor. Right? And, um, it is funny as it continues to grow, we do have to get more strategic about it, yeah. about who those people are and make sure that we're setting them up for success and that they have the maturity to handle it. So it does get more nuanced the more we we make those decisions.
1: That's a nice way of saying it. That's Nuances, right. Nuance. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm reminded of like uh, when when United first uh, started off, when they were just uh, the youth band, right? And and you know, most of these guys could barely play their instruments. And <laughs> you know, and as, and as um, uh, I did a, a, a tour with Ruden Morgan, who was uh, at the time sort of the the worship guy in charge, of sort of leading these young kids, Joel Houston and Marty Samson, oh, yeah. they're like you know, still t- teenagers, and and he'd be like, yeah, they, wow. can, they can barely play. And they can, be, but it was crazy to watch them as you know album after album as things got tighter. And same thing, like at some point it was kind of like, oh, we gotta make some proper choices and be very very intentional about like how this works and how this sounds. It can't just be a let's a uh, fun thing, but even though fun is definitely a big big part of it as you as the community grows and as you sort of um, champion people onto their next stage of life. Um, but, uh, yeah, like there's a, a definitely a deeper level of intention about like how things kind of work beyond the writing and beyond, you know, like, um, the spirituality of like how we're going to be doing it, even just finding the right people around the table. Um, that's interesting. So I'm leading to the question, which is, um, when it is time to bring in new members, um, I mean, a regular church audition sucks to begin with. That's always a hard process. <laughs> so, how does it work for you and your and, uh, and and you know the pastors around the table in terms of bringing on new members? Or actually, that's part one. Secondly, asking people to leave. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh, 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 we're getting spicy up in here. So, yeah, how's it this work? Great. How, how does that process work in terms of bringing on new people, but also asking them to, uh, you know, exit?
0: Yeah, I love this question.
2: And and, and the record button's still going here, just so you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I'll say that um, we we try to make a, uh, like, if you're imagining the ramp from, okay, I'm a student involved in chapel ministry. Yeah. And... uh, that's the beginning. Right. I'm a student on campus, right. and then you, the end is like I'm on an album. Yep. The way that ramp works is at the beginning, it's very, it's not very steep, so it's really, really low ramp basically, mm-hmm. and the angle is not too aggressive. And then right around the point where you get to like I'm leading worship regularly on chapel stage, and um, I'm trusted with leading a team now of students that may go fill in for A, B, or C thing or event. That's the moment where it gets really high, right, and that's where we start to get ultra selective as far as when it comes to like the leaders um that are going to be involved in this and I think the the good thing about doing it that way is it allows us to have the more the harder we make it for someone to go from i play, I contribute, I serve uh for the chapels and um uh but that's different than me being like a student leader who's leading things and being on stage leading worship and all that stuff. But the bigger we make that gap, the less conversations I have to have about, Hey, you know, um, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to think about you not being involved for a season. Um, now those sometimes come up because a student will disqualify themselves because the decision they made (laughs) and that's a short topic, right? Right. But like, um, but it seems like the the conversation I have more often is, you know, Hey, pastor Dan, I'd love to be more involved and maybe do this. And I'm like, okay, well let's talk about the areas you need to grow in order to get to this spot. And those are way easier conversations to have as a leader, in my opinion, than the conversation that has to do with, you know, we put you here and it wasn't a good fit. You weren't ready for it. And uh, now we have to bring you down a a tier in what you can handle for leadership So we just try and be really strategic that way. But as far as how you you get on on an audition, we do auditions uh, every semester for incoming students. Um, And it starts with an orientation. And at orientation I say, if you're here in the room, you're on the team already. Hmm. Um, Because being on SEU worship is really, all that really means is that you contribute to the creative environment and climate of ministry and uh, the spirit, what the Spirit of God speaking and doing in chapels. So if you want to do that, you're in the room, you're on the team. But not everyone on the team is on uh, the chapel leading rotation. So we right. kind of changed the language up strategically right away when we're like, you know, you, you're on a team, but you're not on the rotation. Right. So on the team means I can show up and I can hang out in rehearsals and I can even like plug some headphones in and hang out at rehearsal and, and bring my instrument and try and learn the parts alongside. And I can serve in production and run lyrics or learn how to run sound. Or, um, I can serve in the volunteer team for, the different elements of service, you know, cause we, every chapel is basically a church service. We've got a, a hosting team and, um, you know, we've got a team that take care of some of the more administrative details of the service and you can go on missions trips. There's so many things you can do in our department of spiritual information that still contribute to our mission and vision. And that allows you to kind of be involved. And then uh, the other thing I say is that if it's your first time auditioning, you know, most likely you're not going to get on rotation. Hmm. Um, and then the, the third thing I say is I want everybody to be on rotation. If you're here and you're auditioning, that means that you have a heart to be involved and I want that to happen. So here's the steps you have to take. Show up at, at as many chapels as you can. Get around me and the leaders. like Get to know us. And, um, and then come to our weekly gatherings, which is called team night. And at team night, we do breakouts. And anyone can come to a team night. Anyone can participate. And we do breakouts every team night, which are basically – Uh, where you come and learn how to play the song or fire tracks from a laptop and keyboard, you know, MIDI configuration. Mm -hmm. Um, You learn how to play drums and bass together on a click track so that, you know, you learn simple patterns and stuff like that on drums that will help you. There's all kinds of things we do in the different various breakouts. But team nights are this sort of thing where it's like, so the way it goes, someone shows up, they audition, maybe they're not rotation ready. But then they come to every team night and I'm watching them develop and they're, they're just hanging out and they're hanging out in our debriefs after chapel and they just, they're hungry for feedback. Even though they didn't participate, they do want to know the feedback I'm giving the team about how they could make you know, the next step better. And then that person shows up to audition in the spring semester and it's like a totally different you know, leader. And then that person gets an opportunity now. Hmm. to contribute rotation
1: does that make sense it totally Uh, does completely does yeah man
2: and i suppose worst case scenario if you needed to get rid of somebody i mean ultimately ultimately they're going to graduate or they're going to move on anyways right so you just kind of let the time slide a little bit,
1: play the waiting game oh my gosh
2: (laughs) (laughs) they're there for three years you can can wait the three years or two years or whatever the time frame is or they they just quit because they don't want to come back or whatever (laughs) <laughs> the other thing you could do is just make life difficult for them, but that's oh not very God. nice. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we, we've had uh, we've had one student who just kept um, picking a different major so they could extend their
1: stay. So oh, they oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> I will be on the team. Watch me. <laughs> that's right. It's like oh
0: my gosh, dude. We uh, it's funny you mentioned the student thing. You know. We're not too different than, like, college sports, too, where it's, like, we always have that... It seems like they come in a a whole batch, so you have a really good freshman intake, Hmm. and that kind of... They get really good, and then when they're really great, and you can really depend on them, and you're firing on all cylinders, they're getting ready to leave, Yeah, and then you're looking at, like, you know, okay, what's the next year's team going to be, and you're in recruitment phase already, and raising up phase already, so it's, it's definitely... Definitely a unique situation.
2: I guess every year it would be, I mean, every year would be different because you've got a new batch that are kind of batch of students moving in, whether they're newbies or they've been there a year already, or they've already gone through one or two semesters. But there's a continuous transition stage, I guess, happening with you. Yeah, always. Yeah, That's nice. I mean it, it could be it could be stressful but it's also great because you it's always going to be different.
0: I I love it. Um, I the, the foot side of it, right? So like um, the dark side of it if you would <laughs> is um, you know, or at, at NCC, like my church in in DC, we would uh, or even my church here in Lakeland. You know, you end up with people who are they went to youth groups here, they got saved at the youth group and now they're committed and they did the college ministry and now they're and they're like eight or ten years in they're just vets and you can depend on them on your worship squad they'll knock it out they can leave stuff and that's the only that's kind of the only downside to having the four-year transition is your great leaders they have to leave and part of our mission and vision is we want them to leave and we want them to go and be successful and do something you know somewhere else and contribute to the global kingdom and so it's this funny tension where it's like, oh, he, you are amazing. I wish you would just stick around with us. And it's always really emotional, too, because it's like, man, I could really see us all going the distance as a family together. Like, yeah, but, you know, ultimately, your calling is to leave this place.
1: Mm, yeah. You know, I, I think I have a solution to this. Because at some point, these students are going to ask you, know, you for like a recommendation or something like that as they go and apply for other jobs. Just always give them bad reviews, bad recommendations. They would be a terrible person for your church. They would destroy your ministry. Do not hire them. Yeah, Boom. That would solve it. Problem solved, right? I got you, boo. It's yep. all good. We got to stick around for another year. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for you. That's
2: right. <laughs> oh, Get another major. You know, there's something there. God's got something God for got you. God's got something for you right here
0: at SEU <laughs> Worship. Oh, uh, that's that's so weird. You didn't get that that offer because you know
2: I gave you a recommendation. Yeah,
1: I don't yeah. I, I don't know what happened. There. <laughs> Hopefully, none of
2: them are listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> i I've never thought I'd say that, but so Dan, I I just curious now uh, with you know if you com- I don't like comparing, but if if you look at uh, an organization like Hillsong, they've I mean they've done so much branching out as far as. Um, you know the schooling uh aspect but they've got hillsong united they've got hillsong worship they've got hillsong young and free do you see that happening with seu where you've got seu worship would there be an seu united or you know non non not necessarily SU worship praise. i guess yeah yeah seu praise yeah um I don't, uh
0: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know that we would uh, that's a, that's a great question and it's obviously something we talk about a lot and it's always on my brain it feels what it feels most likely right now is we would probably branch out to do more artist highlights you right, know right yeah where it's like um so if you're gonna if we are gonna compare to different movements I, I would think more like passion bethel right okay. and less yeah hill song right um where it's like okay here's some artists that we love and trust that have been involved with the community and you know i'm i'm really hoping to build a network where it's like okay here's a student um that's been involved and played a part and you know their calling is to go serve at a church you know in canada somewhere right like near you guys are you guys in ontario
1: yep. you got it man
0: yeah, so you guys are out, like, maybe that's that's our students' call. Um, but in, in, the state, in the
2: state of Ontario, yes. Yeah, the, the whole thing. <laughs> they're,
0: they're <laughs> Sorry. So, anyway, they are, um, uh lost my train of thought. Oh, basically, even though they go to, to get their calling somewhere else, yeah. what would it look like for them to still be a writer and contributor? So they come back and they leave worship every now and then but there's still a writer, that kind of a relationship. And, you know, Dave, who is an alum and then a worship, was one of the worship pastors on staff, and he's one of our co um, he now is, has that kind of relationship with the ministry where he is a writer, contributor, he's here often leading worship We're on the road a lot, but he lives in Southern California and he's a worship pastor out there. Hmm. So I, I just see us doing more stuff like that where we have – Um, This network of people that are all over, but their kind of creative home base is SEU. And uh, the last analogy I could make to that is if you guys are into football at all Mm -hmm. and college football, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm from Miami Mm -hmm. and the Miami Hurricanes had this like vibe, which was all of the guys who graduated that went on to play NFL would come back during like you know spring training and come hang out during spring training and just kick it with everyone, and that was always really inspiring to me. So the students that were, you know, getting ready to start their their freshman sophomore season, um, were just around people who are vets, but they also came from the same place, hmm. and I find that really inspiring.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I, I like your reference to you know like the Bethel. Um, kind of example, because I could see you guys, I mean, you, you're becoming, uh can I use the the term of a, a name brand? You're becoming, oh you're, you're becoming a brand of, you know, SEU worship, but you'll come up with a song. It's SEU worship featuring Dan Rivera or featuring Crowder or, or some, some name that um, it, it lets you grow with that, with those alumni or, or, artists or worship leaders that have worked with you in the past yes
0: yeah that's the idea yeah, yeah i that's like good. that
2: that's yeah. good and it's and it's obviously proven successful from a from a business standpoint it's proven successful too mm-hmm. right so that's awesome
0: well it's funny that this album is our first time doing that before it was just scu worship
2: right, right. so we'll, we'll see where we go yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, listen Dan, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us and uh, it was great to learn a little bit more about SEU worship and what you guys are doing and I think it's it's great. I mean, I think it's awesome the collaboration that happens with all the different, you know, um people in different roles uh and then and then putting it all together with tons of people and then come up with an album and then of course the the goal of doing this on a regular basis I think is great.
0: Yeah. It was great talking to you guys. Um, it's, it's great to nerd out about music.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. I'm really thankful for uh, what you and the team are doing. It's in terms of like mentoring and nurturing, you know, hearts of worship and the you know, skill set of worship in in these young people. We need that. We need more of that. Um, that's close to my heart, near and dear to my heart. And so uh, when I hear about people in schools doing this kind of a thing, it makes me very, very happy. So, you know, so thank you uh, to you and to the team for all that you're doing. This is amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I, I love what we get to do. And just uh, stay tuned, anyone that's listening, because we do announce development opportunities and like riding camps that are open for everybody to participate. If you want to kind of grow and learn with us, that's those awesome. options are out there.
1: That's good. That's very, very cool. Good. Very, very cool. Thanks a lot, Dan.
2: Thanks guys. Wow. That was, uh, that was different. I don't think we've ever had a chat about, um, a group like that before as far as, you know, the whole, not just students doing this, but yeah. alumni, faculty, staff, yeah. you know, the teachers, the instructors, everybody's you know, getting together and on the same page. It's a big job.
1: It's a huge job. And it seems like they're really doing it in a great and wonderful way. I really appreciate this conversation and just sort of getting sort of a little, you know, a little glimpse behind the scenes glimpse into how they do things, how their processes work, but also just to hear the heart of of Dan. It's and and of the whole entire SEU worship. That was a really, really great interview. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I liked
2: it. Make sure you check out seuworship.com. Find out uh, all about their music, links to their events, and social media. Our artist advice this week coming from Emma Mullings. Now, she's originally from Australia, now involved in planting a church in Florida. And this is what she has to say.
0: Just keep seeking God. Just keep speaking to God because at the end of the day, He is the source of everything.
1: Yeah, seeking God for well, for everything, <laughs> wisdom and and purpose. I think that is so so important for anybody. Again, not just for artists, but for anybody.
2: Keeping your focus. That's it. Yeah, keep your eyes on the Lord. Wow.
1: Hallelujah! Keep your eyes on Jesus.
2: You used to be a worship pastor, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is it for this week, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review to help us reach more people.
1: And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Between Grooves. Check us out there. We would love to hang out with you and chat with you. Until then, have an amazing day, and we'll see you next time on Between the Grooves.